Turn, turn to 2 Peter 1. And we've looked at this text before, but I think it offers a... Every year as we start a new year, we have an opportunity to do some reflection, but we also have to do an opportunity to do some recalibration and some, some redirection. And uh, the challenge every year is to, is to keep at it. And, and I, think, I think this passage offers us a chance to do that. It really confronts us with a lot of the things that uh, we live in a world that loves to make resolutions. They love to make goals. And the reality is, is many of us probably, if we're honest, don't remember right now what our resolutions were at the beginning of 2016. They usually last for about a month, maybe two months if you're really disciplined, and then they usually, we kind of fall back into the, the rut and the routine of, of what we've always done, if we're honest. And, and every year we're offered to, we have the opportunity to sort of take a moment from the Scriptures and kind of give ourselves a, a, an annual physical, a, a checkup, if you will, and this passage allows us the chance to do that, but it also confronts us with some very, very um, strong but convicting truths. And the reality is I think there's a tendency in all of us to kind of rest, to, as believers, to coast, to rely on um, yesterday's bread or last week's bread or last month's bread, things you've learned in the Word maybe last month, and, and you just rest on those, that maybe you, you know the Word pretty well and you can get by and, and you rest in that. And the reality is in the Christian life, there's no, there's no treading water. There's no status quo. There's no, there's no neutral. You're either, you're either progressing or you're regressing in, in a lot of ways. And I think this passage confronts us with that. We're to be growing. And I think we understand that. If, 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 I remember last year I, I, I challenged us with the, the idea that if, if, if we were to put each of us, if we were to back ourselves up to this wall and we were to make a mark at the top of your head to show your growth, if, if somehow we could do that spiritually, the question is, would your line be higher than it was last year? The reality is, is those of us have young kids, if we did that to our kids and year after year after year, if the mark wasn't moving, let's be honest, we would not be okay with that. We'd take them to the doctor. We would be very concerned if they were not growing. And I think the challenge is for us spiritually, the reality is the same thing. If we were to, make, if we were to take each of us and put us Last, at the beginning of last year and put a mark above our head and we backed ourselves up to that same wall. Some of us, the reality is in our, in, my, in our closet at home, the people who owned our home previously, there are marks up and down the wall where they did that to their kids. I can look and see how their kids were growing. If we could, if we could do that here, my question is this, would your mark be higher than it was last year? Did you grow? Did you or maybe rely on previous year's bread to feed you last year? Maybe did you, did you coast? P Peter is writing a letter, 
And, and he's really facing his impending death. And, and what you see here in, in 2 Peter really is sort of a, a last will and testament of sorts. And, and it's interesting, if you, were, if you were dying and you had one thing to say to your loved ones, what would it be? Think about that, what would it be? For Peter, it's interesting. Peter instructs them here to pursue growth, to keep growing, to pursue truth. The, the battle really in Peter's life was, in, in Peter's day and even in our day, we'll jump back into our study of 1 Timothy next week. And the very first thing we're going to see in, chap, in chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, is, is a battle over truth, a battle over false teachers. Time and time again in 1 Timothy, what you're going to see him telling, Paul telling Timothy is fight the good fight. And it was over truth. It was over growing. And, and, and there was a battle between culture and there was a battle between the word. And the culture just said, hey, do what feels right. Live according to your senses. Do whatever you feel like you should do. Ultimately, whatever you think is best, just do that. And Peter says that's the kind of life that's going to lead a person to turn away. The reality is there may be people not here today in this church that were here last year. You know what? Little by little they wandered away. We'll see in 1 Timothy it talks about that by doing that they, there were people that made a shipwreck of their faith. They made a shipwreck of their faith. Maybe that's some of us in 2016. Maybe for some of us if we were honest we'd say you know what? I made a shipwreck of the faith in 2016. There, there's a fight to grow. There's a fight to persevere in the truths of the gospel. It's Again, I've said it, it's not a prayer, prayer, and then, hey, just as parents, I think that's the real danger for us is our, our kids... Our kids seemingly pray a prayer at a young age and there's a very vast tendency for us even as adults to kind of wash our hands and think okay i've done my job they're saved that was my response I'm, I'm good you're not you're not perseverance remaining they might be saved but persevere in that hold fast the testimony See to it that they're growing, that they're growing up in their faith, that they too would not make a shipwreck of their own faith. Look, look, look at verse, just start in verse 3. Peter is encouraging here spiritual growth, and he, he says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me, doctrine matters. Truth matters. You know, you look at... Second, you look over at 1 Peter 2, 2, he says, Therefore, putting aside all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, if you're even saved. Grow up. You look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you look at Hebrews 5, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, I'm not sure who wrote Hebrews, but he says, you know what, by now, you ought to be farther along. You've been saved for a long time, and he says, you're still on milk. He says in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, I couldn't come to you with, 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 with meat. I had to come to you with the elemental teachings. 
They weren't growing. They had been believers a long time. But the mark, the mark hadn't changed on the wall. There's no growth. He says in verse 3, and the problem, the issue is not with resources. He says, seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge, again, you see it, the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises, so that by them, again, truth and the promises of the Word, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. I thought about it this week as I thought about and meditated over this passage. And this year, you know, this time of year, um, there's a neighbor across the street and he has a truck and it sits under an oak tree. And you'll be out in the yard and you constantly hear, his name is Joe, you constantly hear acorns falling in the back of the truck. Constantly. And I thought about, I thought about it this week and this is, a, this is an acorn. You know, I, you, I, don't, I didn't have a mustard seed. I could have gone to, you know, I could have gone to Matthew and you see the parable of the mustard seed. I didn't have one of those. They were not, I don't plan ahead well enough. So this was available this morning and so this is what you get. But, but I thought about it all week. Verse 3 of, of 2 Peter. Inside of this tiny acorn is every single thing that's needed for an oak, for an oak tree to grow. God has equipped this little thing right here. Inside of this acorn is the power, all the resources, to be a hundred foot tall oak tree. But you know what the difference is? Where is it planted? How is it cultivated? You know, if that acorn falls in the back of Joe's truck, guess what happens? It dies. That acorn falls on my, on my driveway and gets run over or, or just sits on my driveway, it dies. The reality is this, I thought about this this week. I, I could take this acorn and I could plant it in a five-gallon bucket and this acorn would grow. But you know what? If I kept it in that five-gallon bucket its whole life, you know what would happen to this acorn? Its growth would be stunted. The reality is, is this acorn will not get bigger than the ground that it's planted in. You put it in a five-gallon bucket, it's going to grow about this tall, and it's going to stop. Why? Because its roots will be stunted. The reality is, is those three oak trees, and I, and I, I love this property. Isaiah 61.3 talks about they will be oaks of righteousness. I, I love this property because of those three oak trees. Every single day when I drive up here, I'm reminded of what God has called us to be as believers. But the reality is the choice is yours and the choice is mine in that sense. We're all this, there's been a seed planted inside of you. How are you going to cultivate it? Some of us, some of us may, some of us may be growing in a five-gallon bucket. You know what you need to do? You need to get out of the five-gallon bucket because you've stunted your growth by staying in the five-gallon bucket. Some of us need to be replanted. And here's how that might equate. Some of us have been tipping our hands to the Word of God on a maybe a daily or weekly basis, just casually going to the Word. Maybe you only go to the Word for a couple minutes a day. Maybe you only get a verse emailed to you and that's all you... That's, a, that's, the, that's the spiritual equivalent of planting yourself in a five-gallon bucket. 
John emailed me a thing just the other day that said, hey, here's a, it's a daily reading plan, and here's what it said. We've built into here a break because you need to take a break from the Word of God. You need to take a break from the Word of God? That's, that's the equivalent of planting ourselves in a five-gallon bucket and expecting to grow up to be a humongous oak tree. You do not grow up to be a tremendous oak tree by being planted in a five-gallon bucket. No more than do we grow up to be spiritual giants and Ephesians 4, that they will be firm and steadfast and movable, not blown around by every wind and wave and trickery of doctrine. You don't do that by spiritually being planted in a five-gallon bucket. You don't do that by tipping your hand casually when it's convenient or, or when, it's a, you know, when you have time to reading and studying and memorizing the Word of God. I, I hope you see the illustration. That, that is the equivalent. Your growth will be stunted. Psalm 1 says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and whatever it does, it prospers. Notice where it was planted. It was planted in good soil by streams of water. That streams of water is equivalent to the Word, planted in the Word. Not casually coming to the Word. Not coming to the Word when it's convenient. Building, rooting its life in the Word. When we're, when, we're, when we're John 3, when we're born again, we're born again as babies, spiritual babies. That's why I read in 1 Peter 2, like newborn babies crave the pure milk of the Word. We're, we're this acorn. But will we grow? You look at verse 5, there's this pervasive attitude of just let go and let God and, and all this that you'll just grow naturally. That, look, your child, when, 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 when your child is born, they don't grow naturally. You feed them. You're diligent about it. Look at verse 5. Now this, for this very reason, because again, verse 4, we've escaped the corruption of the world by its lust. The world lives by lust. The world lives based on what it wants. It lives totally based on what it feels. If it feels right, do it. That's what he's saying there in verse 4. Look what he says. In contrast to that, now for this reason also, applying all diligence. Some of your translations say making every effort. There, there's no casualness about it. There's no easiness about it. There's no convenience about it. It says making Every effort, applying all diligence in your faith. You see, it starts with faith. If you're not a believer today, it starts with faith. It starts with repenting of your sin and believing upon Jesus Christ. Looking, what we'll take of these elements in a moment, looking to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ as, as, as God's payment, as payment for your sin. Repenting means, means asking forgiveness. It means turning away from sin. It's more than simply, you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, or, or 2 Corinthians 7, I'm sorry. It's more than just simply feeling sorry about your sin. It's turning from your sin. 2 Corinthians 7 talks, there's, there's a worldly godliness that, you know what it does? It just leads to death. There's a lot of people in the world that aren't believers that feel sorry for being a sinner, but they don't repent of their sin. And there's a vast difference between feeling sorry about your sin and repenting of your sin. Applying all diligence. 
It, it literally, what, it, 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 it means be serious about your faith. It means be serious about trying to grow. It's be serious about living according to the world, being serious about, about your faith and what that means, that, you're a, that you've escaped the corruption of the world, that you've been rescued. Add to your faith, supply moral excellence. Starts with faith in Christ. Supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. The, the reality is what he's saying, you see it on your handout. We're acting on the character of God that's in us. We've been adopted. The Spirit lives in us. He's saying, act on that. The, the, dilen, the diligence, the joy for the Christian, you see there is aligning yourself with Jesus Christ. It's aligning yourself with His character. And I think what, what we see here in, in verses 8 through 11 is that the, the Christian, every Christian has two choices. And you see there on your handout, you can either live your life based upon the Word, which results in an abundant life no matter the circumstances, or you can minimize the role of the Word in your life and it results in, in, in wasted life. It results in stunted growth. And, and if you grammatically looked at the... The, the Greek here, these are building blocks. Like I said, it begins with faith. And then we start building on these things. I'm a Christian, now what? And, and look at verse 8. And this is really where I, I, I want to challenge us with today. For if these qualities are yours, look at what it says, and are increasing. If the, not, not if these qualities are yours, if these qualities that I just went over, that he just listed in verses 5, 6, and 7, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Interesting. It goes back to verse 5, applying all diligence. We're, we're commanded to grow. We're, we're commanded to pursue maturity. L look at verse 9. For the person who lacks these qualities, the person who lacks these qualities, the person who these aren't increasing, that person is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. That's part of the reason why I was grateful today that we could take the Lord's Supper. Because what did Jesus say? As often as you eat or drink this cup, do this in remembrance. To remember. What's one of the great tendencies? What's one of the great uh, you know, problems, if you will, of living in a sinful world and, and, and still battling with sin is we tend to forget. We tend to forget. We forget that God rescued us. We forget that we couldn't get to God on our own. We forget the high price at which our salvation was procured. 
having forgotten his purification of his former sins. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten whose you are. As Christians, we are to reflect the character of our Heavenly Father. And we're called to grow. Maybe, maybe, in, 20, maybe, six, maybe in 2016, you, 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 you just ceased to remain grateful for your salvation. Maybe you took your salvation for granted. Maybe you, maybe you grew cold to some areas. Maybe, as I said earlier, maybe you just relied on yesterday's bread to get you through. Maybe busyness crowded out study. I don't know. I mean, imagine for a second, imagine for a second if you, went, if you were going to have a major surgery and you walked into the surgeon's office and he said, and you started talking about, you know, this surgery and he says, well, you know what? I haven't, I haven't learned anything new in the last five years, but, but I know what worked five years ago, so I'm going to try that on you. You'd walk out. Maybe a pilot, you're going to get on a board a plane, and he says, you know what, I ain't flown in about 10 years, but let's give it a shot. Check, please. Many of you in your own professions, in your own professions, if you're an insurance agent, if you're a doctor, if you're a lawyer, they have what's called continuing education. Some of you are teachers. You have to continually take classes to maintain your certification. And yet somehow, when it comes to Christianity, we've negated the need to grow, to pursue, to apply diligence. And my challenge for us is this, God in His graciousness just gave us 365 days to know Him, to serve Him, to grow in Him, to enjoy being his son or his daughter, the opportunity to be engaged in a warfare on his behalf, to, to fight for his kingdom, to grow his kingdom, to see him growing it through you. He's given you the opportunity to be blessed beyond measure by being on board with him, on mission with him. And the question I want to ask us today is, how do we do with those 365 days? How'd you do? It's interesting in verse 10, he says, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about your calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. The reality is, is the more we pursue God, the more we recognize that we're saved and we're certain about our salvation. The less we pursue God, you know what Satan does? He starts whispering in your ear. And at the very least, at the very least, that believer does not have the does not get to feel the certainty to enjoy the security of their salvation. They may be saved, but at the very least, they're not going to feel saved. Living in sin, not growing, being casual about our Christianity, at the very I'm not saying you're not saved. I am saying this in doing that, you forfeit the right to feel saved. And, and here, here, here's where I want to challenge with this as I close. In, in Luke 15, the story of the prodigal. And this story has taken on all kinds of, of meanings, and I'm not here to abuse that. It's taken on all kinds. Really, this is a story about a, an amazing father more than it is a, a, a wayward son. But I, I wonder if some of us might not 
might not have lived 2016 similar to the son here. And you know the story, but, but, but you're familiar with it. But let, let me read it. Just listen as I read it. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit maybe investigate our lives. Because I want to I emphasize a couple quick things here, that real tragedies here. A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating and no one, and no one was giving him anything to eat. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I'm dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him. And this is what throws me. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. That's a picture of a father who was literally day and night looking, waiting, watching for a son to come home. And in that day for a father to do that would have been humiliating for him to pull up his pull up what his tune to pull up what he was wearing to uncover some of his legs so that he could run, that would have been humiliating. And yet that father loved that son so much. That son had squandered everything, had probably humiliated the name. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandal on his feet. Bring the fatted calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again, and he was lost and has been found, and they began to celebrate. I, I was thinking about this story Friday and Saturday a lot, and I was just reading, and I was looking at my own life, and I thought, you know what? Not to, I don't want to take, I don't want to abuse the word and I don't want to go beyond the boundaries, but I wonder if some of us might not, if we were honest and look back at our lives in 2016 and say we may be squandered 2016. Maybe we squandered it by living for ourselves. Maybe it wasn't, maybe we weren't wallowing around with hogs. Maybe it wasn't that grotesque sin. Maybe we just subtly lived for ourselves. Maybe we just subtly lived on cruise control. Maybe we just subtly lived for the things of this world. Maybe we spent 2016 making a name for ourselves in business or making our name for ourselves in other things. Maybe we just were quiet about our faith. Maybe we, if we were honest, we would say, you know what, the mark on the wall really wouldn't be a whole lot higher in 2016, in 20, today as it was in 2016. Maybe if we were honest, we'd still 
not look much different than this acorn looks one year later. It just hasn't grown. And yet everything needed for life and godliness, the Bible says, God's given us. And I thought about this story and I thought, you know, one of the tragedies, I'm not sure how long the sun was gone. I'm not sure what the time frame was. But I think the tragedy is that whatever that time frame was, a month, six months, a year, to me one of the tragedies was is that was a wasted year that he could never get back. He could have spent a year enjoying the Father. He could have spent a year growing in the grace of the Father, enjoying the relationships. And yet he chose to spend that time wallowing with pigs. No growth. And, and in view of the backdrop of the Father's love, in view of the great price in which we as believers have been purchased, in view of the fact that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness, in view of the backdrop of the Lord's Supper that we're going to take here in a moment, remembering that, it, it really makes the squandering of any amount of time even more grotesque. In the, in the backdrop of a father who waited day and night looking for his son to repent, it really makes every day even more grotesque, no matter how long it was. Taking, taking his inheritance, wasting it, taking blessings and wasting it. And yet, here, here's the grace of God, and this same grace is held out to us today. The son got up, came to his father, and he said to his father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I, I would beg anyone in here, I would beg all of us, if there's unrepentant sin, if there's habitual sin, if there's a sense in which you've squandered time with the Lord, squandered resources, here, here's what I would beg you, repent. Run to the Father. The Father longs to, He would long to forgive you. To embrace you just as His Father did to forgive you. And all the resources are there in 2017 to grow. All the resources. To, to take you and plant you by streams of water in the Word to see that. To, we as a church would, would love to come alongside you and see that. And that's really why I put on here on your handout there a spiritual growth report card. I, it, it may be cheesy, it, it, may, it may not, you know, but some of you, many of you may not. But I, but I did that because these are the characteristics that Peter lists in Second Peter. And he says, are these things increasing? Do you see those things in 2016? Did you see those things increasing? Be honest, what, what may have hindered? If you say yes... What helped your growth? Keep at it. Keep at it. Do more of it. If you say no, the question is this. What hindered your growth? Cut it out. Repent. Maybe it was a TV. Maybe it was apps on your phone. Maybe it was work. Maybe it was 
maybe it was just maybe it's friendships, maybe pursuing friendships with people that you thought would make you cool and you realize that, you know what, you're no cooler today than you were. You wasted a year chasing something that doesn't last when the Lord was there waiting. What hindered your growth? Maybe, maybe just be honest and you didn't care. How much more of the Word, how much more of the Word do you know today than you knew January 1 of 2016? How many verses did you memorize? How much did you really meditate, as Psalm 1 says? And I'm not trying to be a, a downer here. I'm not trying to make us miserable for the new year. But, but again, did you value in 2016 the things that Jesus values? Things like serving the poor, the orphan, the widow? Things like sitting at His feet? Showing mercy to others? These are small things of the world, but, but ironically, again, the world's lust wouldn't value those things, and yet in this Word, those are things that are treasured more than anything. When's, when's the last time you did something for somebody that nobody that, that person could never repay you for? Anything you did in 2016 that nobody knows you did. Anything you did for the glory of God that maybe you blessed somebody maybe that nobody knows you did. Those are the things that God honors. Those are the things that God applauds. Not looking for man's approval, not looking for man's applause, not looking for man to notice it and say how great you are, but simply did it for the glory of God. And no matter what you grade yourself, the good news is this. God's grace is still sufficient for you in 2017. If you'll repent and you'll run to the Father, there's grace. And everything you need for life and godliness in 2017 is waiting. John 1.16, I believe it's John 1.16, it says, Of His fullness all have received upon grace. Upon grace. Every single day when we, when we wake up, you know what? God gives you enough grace for that day. That, that's my challenge. And as we take a few minutes and approach this Lord's Supper table, I, when you come up here, and if you're a believer, listen to me, what we do here is for a believer. You don't have to be a member of this church to partake of these elements, but you, you do have to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Do not take this in an unhealthy way. Way. 1 Corinthians warns of that, that, that there was severe judgment for people who partook of this in an unworthy manner. This is for believers only. We're doing this as a reminder that it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ alone that we're trusting in for our salvation. That alone is what rescued us. And we're reminding ourselves and we're reminding a watching world that it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we're trusting in today. That we're relying on for our salvation, for the forgiveness of our sin. As you hold those elements in your hand, here's, here's what I would ask you to ask yourself. Did you seek to live a life in 2016 that's worthy of that great price in which you were saved? Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you maybe some distractions to your growth. Ask God for the grace to, to, to cut those things out in 2017. 
to, to give you a heart that day and night you'd seek to meditate on the Word. And you'd see that fruitfulness that comes from that. As you come to take these elements, go back to your seat. If you're a believer, have a seat. Uh, ask God to re- search your heart. When you're ready, take them on your own. And when I feel like everybody's had ample time, I'll come up and close.